Hey, all right, everyone. Welcome to the newest episode. This is number 25, Heal Thyself. Much love, much gratitude. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for supporting. I ask you, as always, to rate, review, subscribe. Spread this show to your loved ones. Spread this show to whoever needs it at Empowerment to make their health and their life better. I have a good show. We put together something good for you. A lot of good surprises. And um, I'm going to dive right deep into it. So let's go straight into the knowledge bomb. Okay, this knowledge bomb is directed towards heavily female audience, but of course, men can always benefit too because it goes hand in hand in many ways. I'm going to be talking about personal care products, particularly what are we putting uh, or exposed to that is affecting our health. I want to make something clear. The cosmetics industry lacks safety data. It is self-regulated. I want to repeat that. There is no governing body that is regulating all of the chemicals that are being put into these personal care products and put into our body, okay? In the United States alone, there's approximately 12,500 unique chemical ingredients that have been approved for use to be uh, utilized and manufactured uh, in personal care products. So typically, typically, we'll have a product and it's gonna have about 15 to 50 ingredients, but I've seen some with more than 50. Okay, so let's consider the average woman, she'll use between nine to 15 personal care products per day. Add different types of fragrances in there too. Uh, that fragrance ingredient, which I did talk about in many shows, um, it's estimated that it goes up to about 515 chemicals on their skin each day just through using cosmetics and personal care products. So fragrance can be represented and that can represent dozens, dozens and dozens, up to hundreds and hundreds of unlisted chemicals. Why? Because fragrance is an umbrella term. It is considered a trade secret. I've said this before. And so usually for a fragrance, it's usually a mixture from a pool of 3,000 different chemicals, right? That's how they derive the fragrance smell. That's a problem because you'll see the word fragrance. And like I said, it can represent 100, 200, 300 chemicals, but the back of your, let's say, moisturizer, it looks like it only has 15. So there's some major chemicals to look out for. These are the big, big ones, parabens. Parabens are um, known to be very toxic, especially to the hormone uh, system, the endocrine system. And it's mostly banned in Europe already in personal care products. We have formaldehyde, that's a known carcinogen. Formaldehyde is present in different uh, personal care products like uh, nail polish. Then triclosans, phthalates, sulfates, talc, these are all things that are in there hanging out that are having an effect on our health. And you have to understand it this way. One, and before I go into anything or dive deeper, when you use a product once, that's okay. It's not going to kill you, right? I go to my friend's house. All they have is this shampoo, this toothpaste, this face wash, this deodorant, right? That's okay. But you have to understand most people, most people like me in the past and other people I know, that's what they go every day, right? Their Old Spice is out, their deodorant is out, um, and uh, their secret deodorant is out, and then they go and buy another one, and another one, another one, another one for over the years, and this type of stuff builds up, right? Things have an entourage, a synergistic effect, and they work together. So manufacturers do not need to list these individual ingredients 
as fragrance or anything. So remember, the fragrance is pretty crazy because that's the that's the trade secret. That's the big one um, that they hide behind. So back in 2004, there was a few reports that released, and according to all of these reports, makeup, shampoo, skin lotion, nail polish, and other personal care products they contained chemicals, ingredients that lack safety data. Okay, so we see a detrimental effect in animals. There's no big time human studies that show this type of chemical and lipstick is going to kill you. But they did do some human analysis and there was one in Berkeley and there was teenage girls, right? They did an analysis of their urine samples before and after a three day trial in which these young teenage girls uh, used lower chemical products. And what they found was significant drops of these levels of chemicals in the body. So the metabolites for phthalates, right, which are the plasticizers, right? They're the ones that have a really potent endocrine effect in the hormones that's commonly seen in like fragrances. What they saw is a 27% decrease at the end of the trial period. Then I spoke about parabens, another one that's banned in Europe. They saw a 45 to 40, 44 to 45% drop in these parabens, okay? Then triclosan, this is found in antibacterial soaps, in toothpaste, um, some sunscreens, right? So what they found was about a 36% drop. So parabens, what I mentioned, the chemical that was banned in Europe, what they saw was about a 45% drop in these in three days, three days. And then triclosan, which is found in antibacterial soaps and toothpaste, um, and as well as oxybenzone, which is found in sunscreens, they had a 36% drop. This is just in three days. What this shows is the power of reducing these chemicals found in these young girls' urine can drop in as little as three days when reducing or having better products. So when I talk about better products, pay attention. I always speak about the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 as far as food, but there is a Dirty Dozen for cosmetics. And I want you to familiarize yourself with what that is. Look at it, look at the 12 chemicals in it, look for their other names that they have, and then cross-reference it with some of your products. Okay, I mentioned a few chemicals, but I wanna go into makeup. Your skin is your largest organ. Uh, it's a detox organ, but it also does absorb, right? It for sure absorbs. Why do you think that when you put on suntan lotion or sunblock, it just dries off after a while? It's because your skin absorbs it. So. Makeup does contain some of the aforementioned chemicals that I spoke about before, but it also contains ones like Teflon. Teflon, I spoke about being one of the most toxic things in your home, is a potent endocrine disruptor. Cancer, uh, it pushes cancer, it's carcinogenic, uh, immune disruptor, and it has something like car called carbon black, and this is a known carcinogen. But the big thing also in makeup is heavy metals. Sometimes they're put there intentionally, sometimes they're not. Regardless, they're there, and we see things like lead, mercury, cadmium, arsenic, nickel, aluminum, major one is lead and aluminum, um, we see them in the makeup and they get absorbed into our body. Whether they stay topically or into the system, they, they, they both sneak in both routes. So there are systemic effects of the makeup and heavy metal. So if you're using really poor quality makeup, conventional over-the-counter uh, makeup, well, all, all makeup's over-the-counter, but conventional makeup really poor quality, you're gonna be building up these heavy metals. And I just did a whole episode on heavy metals, the last show, so please watch it and understand what heavy metals are, what they're implicated in, and how to address them. When it comes to regulation, understand that the, the FDA Cosmetics Act was uh, put into place in 1968 and it has not been updated since. So really, the only thing that's regulated in makeup and personal care products is the color of the cosmetics, that's it, the color. 
everything else. I go in my basement. I can open up my chest of heavy metals and I could take a big spoonful and sprinkle it all over your foundation because that essentially is okay because ain't nobody checking on it. So pay close attention to what I'm saying because we can do better. So when you look at the literature on makeup and heavy metals, it shows that heavy metals are present and levels high enough to affect your health. The bigger concern is yes, it can be uh, absorbed into the blood as I mentioned. So based on the metal, it can exert a very specific effect to the part of the body it goes to. Again, I said there's lack of safety data, but we do know these chemicals are immunotoxic, neurotoxic, uh, endocrine disruptors, reproductive uh, toxins, carcinogenic. So if you're looking to have a baby, maybe, just maybe, you need to start looking at one makeup and personal care products as a whole for not only you, but your partner as well. You can't make an informed decision because of trade secrets, which is crazy, right? So I can only say that this pro these products contain this, but because of trade secrets, they can say something like fragrance and it can contain formaldehyde and a thousand other things. So really the best choice, I'm gonna speak about it now, is to look at other options. I feel like I mentioned it every other show, is Environmental Working Group, they do good work because they now have a stamp that, of something called EWG verified. When it's EWG verified, we know that it passes the test for, it, it's not perfect, but it passes the test for all of these things, which is really important in the context because there's no regulation. Right? If there was more regulation, then I'd be like, oh, this is a great supplement, but there's no regulation. So really the, the, the poll we have to stand on is now something like the Environmental Working Group, okay? Phthalates, phthalates are a nasty one. They're present in makeup, and uh, these are basically things like BPA, right? The plasticizers, the things that have a really potent effect on disrupting estrogen. CDC found in 2004 that 97% of a group of 2,540 people tested positive for phthalates, okay? And Harvard found a correlation between urinary phthalate metabolites and DNA damage to sperm. I repeat, if you're looking to have a kid, phthalates should be your first, one of your first interventions to remove all things that contain different forms of phthalates, BPA, okay? So the people who are saying it's safe, right? Like say, for example, there was a sponsored review by the cosmetics industry, it was by the cosmetics, uh, cosmetic ingredients review panel, said that all of this is completely safe, but that's bull. Let's talk about nail polish. Um, what we do know is that what you, what's in your nail polish can absolutely absorb into your system. We don't know the exact mechanism how. I don't know how it goes through the nail, but it does. One of the major ones, as I mentioned, a phthalate, right? One form of it is called dibutyl phthalate. This is a plasticizer, it behaves like BPA. No true study to show that it's safe on humans, has an adverse effect on animals, uh, affects a uh, male reproductive system. Uh, nail polish also has things like formaldehyde. We know this is very toxic. It could be in 0.5 to 5% of nail polish can have formaldehyde. This is a known carcinogen. Toluene, it's another irritant that is usually aromatic. Um, and then the big one is TPHP, it's triphenylphosphate. This is used in pretty much all nail polish. There was a study at Duke University that found evidence uh, that this is implicated, highly implicated in as an endocrine disrupting chemical, and it's used widely as nail polish in all nail polishes. That's one of the main concerns, and they found it in about 24 women. They found it in the urine of all of them. And it was found 10 to 14 hours after painting the nail, so it goes into the system pretty dang quick. There was 
a quote by one of the senior scientists saying, it's very troubling that nail polish is being marketed to women and teenage girls, which contains a suspected endocrine disruptor. And it's even more troubling to learn that their bodies absorb this chemical relatively quickly after applying a coat of polish. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting to know. One thing, again, EWG certified or EWG verified nail polish. Make sure you are using ventilation when you paint your nails and reduce the skin contact. Make sure it doesn't hit. Lotions is another one I mentioned before. That has another form of uh, phthalate. It's called diethyl phthalate. And what they did, and I'm going to talk a little bit about children now, they... They did a study in the pediatrics uh, journal, and they found that lotion is a major source of endocrine disruptors, especially in children. Uh, many of these chemicals are banned in other countries, and it's estimated by the Environmental Working Group that 60 chemicals per day are what the children are being exposed to, and these chemicals are known to be reproductive, hormonal, and carcinogenic. And phthalate was found to be in 75% of the top 72 name brand lotions out there. Crazy, and with no federal law, that's the Wild West. Ain't nobody regulating anything. So really important to have uh, a good idea of what's happening, what the climate is like at least, so we can be empowered enough to go, all right, I hear all that, Dr. Gonzalez, what can I do now? So fragrance, of course, so many lotions have fragrances, so uh, pay close attention because, again, that can be an umbrella term. There could be dozens and dozens of chemicals in there. And the last one is a really big one called BHA. Check if your lotion has BHA. Um, I don't remember the full name, nor can I probably pronounce it. That's why I use these acronyms, but that's expected to be a human carcinogen. Pay close attention to that. It's also found in some sunscreens. Go back and listen to the sunscreen show and share it with people you love. You know I love talking about this. Here's one that is really important. I did a whole show on it. I'm going to do a little spiel on it. Tampons, 11,000. 400 tampons are used over 2,200 days in a woman's life. There's vaginal permeability. The FDA says it's a medical device, therefore chemical regulations are not like food, drug, and cosmetics, and most testing is done by the manufacturer, which is crazy because they don't have to list the ingredients that are going into the tampon that are being put into the permeable vagina, and it's being sucked up by the system. They use cotton. We know that. That's one of the dirtiest crops out there, 95% of glyphosate. Uh, is used in cotton, <sighs> and you know how I feel about glyphosate. Um, it's a heavily evaded topic by many uh, scientists and, and industries of most of the time on purpose, but it's connected to multiple diseases and disruptions. Rayon is another ingredient in tampons. That's from bleached wood pulp, and that is a by, it creates a byproduct called dioxin. Dioxin is known to be probably number one or two, the most toxic chemicals on earth. Dioxin is horrible and really should be avoided by all costs. And then they use things like, again, fragrance, deodorants, absorb, absorbency enhancers. So when it comes to dioxin, as I mentioned, it was known to be one of the most dangerous chemicals. There's no safe level, says the EPA. In 2002, uh, the bleaching tactics for tampons were reduced and dioxin levels fell. But um, in NYU, there's Dr. Philip Tierno. He said trace amounts are a concern because they have an additive effect and are connected to immune disruption, immune suppression, pelvic inflammatory disease, endometriosis, miscarriages, infertility, diabetes, birth defects, breast and reproductive cancers. One of It's such an easy intervention. Get a higher quality tampon, get one that has no glyphosate, organic cotton, get one that has no dioxin because they will put it 
on the label to show that it doesn't. You got to do better with your tampons. If you're using any of any tampon, um, Tampax, uh, any of the ones that are really conventional, I did stories upon stories on this on Target, um, please make that switch. And here's the main problem that we see in environmental science and toxicity, chemical toxicity, is that there will be science and scientists and folks who are proponents of the industry and saying everything is okay because they're looking at one chemical. You cannot look at one chemical because your lotion has doesn't have one chemical, nor does your makeup, nor does your shampoo, nor does anything else, right? So it cannot be in a vacuum and you cannot say that this is the dose that causes this type of toxicity with this single chemical. You can, you can do that, but you can't say that it's safe because of that. Entourage, synergistic effect of all the chemicals, chemical burden over and over. So what I'm only trying to do and teach people is how to reduce it, what they can do to reduce it, and understand that there is major importance to reduce it because just because it's being sold in your local pharmacy or your local supermarket does not mean that it is safe. Please remember that. Just because it's there doesn't mean that it's safe. So uh, I want you to think about this. Let's say your friend calls you. She goes, hey, Let's go get dinner, and we're going to go get drinks, and we're going to have the best time ever. You go, okay, yeah, let's go. Pick me up. You get into the bathroom. You get into the shower. You use your shampoo, average 32 chemicals. You use your body wash, average 20 chemicals. You use your moisturizer, average 40 chemicals. The facial cleanser, 16, right? So then you come out of the shower, you're ready to put on your beauty routine, you get on your lipstick, 27 chemicals minimum, foundation, 15, deodorant, you got to wear deodorant, 16 chemicals, blush, 22, toner, 22, hairspray, 21, eyeliner, 18, perfume, 50, nail polish, 22, eyeshadow, 20. All of those chemicals within, let's say, 25 minutes, 45 minutes if you live in the Jersey Shore, for all that makeup, and then 341 chemicals in about 20 minutes. You see where these numbers start coming in? That's what I'm trying to say. We are exposed not to one chemical in a vacuum, but in 25 minutes, 35 minutes before you're ready to go out with your girlfriend, 341 chemicals, boom. Great we have a liver, great we have kidneys, great we have our lungs, great we have our poop, great we have our skin. All of these mechanisms need to be optimized, and this is what I try to stress to all of you. So there you go. Personal care products. You know about the cosmetics industry. Check out other shows on this. I speak about it all the time. We can do better. Get on Environmental Working Group. Look at that database. Cross-reference what you have. Look for which ones are EWG verified, and do better for yourself, my people. Okay, in today's product review, I'm gonna talk about granola. Who doesn't love granola? This used to be one of my favorite foods as a kid, and now they're making their way into this boom in smoothie bowls and acai bowls. They're always topped off with them. I'm sure you've had it, but which one's a good one? Which one can we do better with? And which one is greenwashing in many ways? So let's jump right into it. This company is not a stranger to this show. One of my first episodes was on granola bars. And of course, they're making granola in general. This one has raspberry clusters with chia seeds, and it is by Kind Healthy Grains, right? 
And I'm sure you've seen this. This I got it at a just a regular. I didn't even get this at Whole Foods. I got this at the corner market. But when it comes to kind, you look at these. They look pretty healthy, pretty good packaging. And what label? Come on, show me a label. Well, it says it's gluten-free. Okay. It says it's non-GMO, okay. And in the back, I find the non-GMO verified label. You know where this story is going if you listen regularly. Why is there a non-GMO verified label when I do not see any genetically modified foods in here, minus the canola oil? So thank you. Canola oil is non-GMO. Thank you, kind. But what I do need to know is that your oats, your oats, your oats are organic. They have to be organic. Why? Because oats are sprayed with glyphosate as a desiccant. Oats are not a GMO food, but they are sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent. This is why I will not touch for the death of me oats that are not organic. Maybe I'm OCD or maybe I'm just informed. So check this out. This has a whole grain blend. It has oats, brown rice, buckwheat, millet, amaranth, quinoa. Really the oats are really important and the quinoa to be making sure you're getting organic. And then it has cranberries and raspberries. Well, I mentioned a few times on some of these shows the importance of the berries to be organic. You gotta get organic berries. Why are these raspberries not organic? And then the canola oil. Still, even though it's non-GMO canola oil, so we can we can assume that it's not, there's no glyphosate in, in it or anything. Canola oil is still an inflammatory oil. We shouldn't be having it. And canola oil to me is not an oil that anyone should be consuming. There's so many better options out there and they could have done better. So as I mentioned, just like the granola bars, kind, I call it unkind because you're being very unkind to humanity. Please start putting organic label. Please start sourcing better. Give us better granola. All right. That's the only amount of energy I'm going to spend on them. Another one, bare naked granola, vanilla almond, minus the A, vanilla almond. All right. This can do much better too. It is basically a better version of a crappy granola. And you know what? I went to the bathroom here and I saw it in the back room. So I'll, I just, I just want to let it, I want to let everyone know that I've seen it here. The cameraman's looking at me. Uh, the, the, so I saw the bare naked granola here and it has a non-GMO verified label. Great. But what did I just say about oats? They need to be organic, particularly because they're used traditionally with glyphosate as a desiccant. All right. Almonds got to be organic. I talked about one of my first show, how many pesticides are, um, almonds are exposed to. So you got to do better with this. Um, ground flax seeds, flax seed, and other things that, that should be organic, another, um, another class of seeds. So bare naked granola. Look, if, if you're in the rush, you want to get something for the road, fine, but this shouldn't be part of your diet until they do better. It's, it's a better version of the kind, and that's all the energy they're going to get from me. Now I want to talk about the two I'm excited about now. Cascadian Farms, I'm going to go into first. They have an organic one, strawberry granola, six grams of sugar for about a third of a cup. So a little bit, but they have whole grain oats, cane sugar, some honey. So not good for vegans if you are a vegan, but it has dried strawberries, organic. Thank you. It's got the, um, the, the, the oats are organic. So we know now it puts me at rest. I can breathe because ain't no glyphosate in here, or they say so, right? But it has the USDA organic label, so I could feel more comfortable about this. Um, a pretty good product overall. The reason I'm going to talk about the other one being a better one is because it just had simpler ingredients, right? This one has a natural flavor ingredient, which is a little ambiguous. Because it has the organic label, I can assume that they are flavors that are derived not from genetically modified foods, but still can be a little bit better. If you have this 
okay. But just know that's purely Elizabeth is a much better product. It's got across the board gluten-free certified because a lot of oats are contaminated with gluten cross-contamination. Uh, cross USDA organic, non-GMO. This is a really good one. If I do eat oats, this is the one that I have. I have, them, um, I have one of these in my house. The same amount of sugar, six grams of sugar for a third of a cup. Okay, uh, gluten-free oats, organic coconut sugar, raw organic coconut oil, organic sunflower seeds, organic puffed amaranth, organic quinoa, organic chia seeds, organic cinnamon, and salt. This is how it should look. I'm reading this, and it doesn't say anything about natural flavors. It just tells me exactly what's in here, and I know it's organic. Thank you, Purely Elizabeth. I purely got a lot of love for you. If you eat granola, know that this is Dr. G's favorite. And there you go. That was easy. Granola, if you're eating it from the bag, putting it in your smoothie bowls, just know that there is a spectrum of quality, and I hope now you're empowered to make a good decision. All right, everyone, today's special guest. I've been waiting for a little bit of time to get her on. She's finally on. She's amazing. She's going to drop some knowledge on us. I'm very excited to introduce Reshma Patel. She's a physician's assistant, and she works out here in Brentwood, California. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so why don't, why don't you first tell everyone how we met? Very interesting story. I was invited to a full moon circle ceremony with Gwen Coach, who has mm -hmm. also been a guest on the show. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I've been following you on Instagram. I guess I didn't, I met you that night, I didn't realize who you were. Oh, and yeah. then on Instagram post um, from Gwen Coach, I put two and together. And that's when I'd reached out to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and she was amazing on here. She actually stressed and taught the importance of breathing. And it's funny because when she was here, and you know how this is, she was here, she was talking about breathing and I realized I wasn't even breathing the whole interview. Right. So um, has that helped you uh, being conscious of your breathing and changing? And has it been therapeutic for you in many ways? Absolutely. I've always been a fan of yoga and meditation and being aware of mm -hmm. your breathing. Mm -hmm. She took it to a whole new level for me. She takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, she takes it to a whole new level. And I actually encourage my patients to do the same. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to work on them nutritionally, medically, however you're going to work on them. But if that mind-body-spirit connection isn't there. Yeah. So... I try to get patients to support them in mind, body, spirit yeah. activities too. Th that's the important part. And that yeah. sort of leads me to my next question because a lot of that wasn't being done in the paradigm that you're coming from, right? I mentioned okay. you're a physician's assistant. Can you tell us, for the people who don't even know what a PA is or what they do, can you just explain that? Yeah. So I'm a physician assistant by trait. Uh, I did it for 14 years. Mm -hmm. So we do 80% of what physicians do can't do surgeries on our own. And as long as I work within the scope of practice of my medical director, able to do a lot of things. I was fortunate to work with some amazing physicians who trained me. I did urgent care and uh, occupational medicine mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. And I saw patients getting sicker and sicker as chronic illness kind of bled into work comp and urgent care. Yeah. You know, some things weren't urgent. They just couldn't get into their PCP. Yeah. And so intuitively, I felt like there had to be a better way to do medicine. Right. And how long did you have that intuition telling you maybe we can improve on this medicine? Uh, for four years. So for four years you were seeing this and you felt the disconnect that you can improve on what's going on? Absolutely. Okay. And uh, those four years were brewing. Then what happened at the fourth year? So a lot of things kind of, you know, as you don't, you don't have control over things that happen. You put it out there and 
universe kind of made things happen. I helped this urgent care girl from one to four clinics, and they had all this help came in. It was just time for me to leave. I had no plan. I left. Did you? <laughs> no plan. I just knew this is something I had to do. It was a whole leap of faith. Yeah. Four months, I put myself back together. Did mm -hmm. yoga, cooked, slept, did nothing. I was not on call for the first time in 14 years. How would that feel? Amazing. I think I cried. Did you? A few <laughs> times, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, one thing that's amazing that you said is this intuition, right? Because mm -hmm. what I see as a common thread of a lot of people who are leading into this is they intuitively, if they're in a field that doesn't serve them or align with them, they say it doesn't feel right. I intuitively need to leave. Yeah. I mean, you listen to the show, many different people will say the same exact thing. So um, I'm starting to get used to people saying this at this point. Right. So you're over here now jobless, right? And you're yeah. just getting your life back together, your health, mental, physical, emotional. Yep. Then what clicked for you to go into what you're doing, which we're going to go really into? Yeah, it was a series of just, I think, fortuitous events that happened. I took a lot of courses in integrative medicine, functional medicine, nutrition, um, worked with a lot of other people in the field, which led, you know, opens doors to other avenues. And I met another physician assistant, I think the only one that I've met that's doing integrative medicine. This is, I think, a new and emerging field for PAs. Mm -hmm. She has her own practice in writing, wants to teach other PAs to do the same. I did that in September of last year, met her medical director, who in turn was like, yeah, I could be your medical director. And that was the first time the seed was planted that I in turn could open my own integrated medicine practice. Which you have, and Which congratulations for that. Thank you. And in this practice, what population of patients are you seeing? I understand you were doing urgent care, but who are you seeing now? So I'm kind of letting this kind of grow organically for what the needs are. I'm in Brentwood, which is a interesting niche, like a lot on the west side. All the patients are really conscious of eating well, taking care of themselves, and they still find themselves sick. Yeah. Um, so I have a subset of older patients who've got hypertension, high cholesterol, thyroid issues. Um, I have a subset of 20-year-olds with hair loss, uh, PCOS, ovarian issues. Um, and I'm starting to see pediatrics using nutrition genomics where we can for methylation and getting to the root cause of things. So it's kind of interesting. Kinda yeah, one thing that stuck out and I see you all the time is PCOS or hormonal dysfunction. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't doubt that you see a lot of people coming in with that because everyone I know sees people coming in with that, yeah. particularly mostly women with PCOS, um, but hormonal disruptions in men and women. Yes. What, what do you think is really causing a lot of these hormonal disruption for people? That's the cool thing about integrative medicine and functional medicine, naturopathic medicine. I think for us, these diseases aren't so much what we're looking at, it's how did we get here? Mm -hmm. And getting to the root cause of this stuff. And for me personally, I think it's been uh, environmental toxins. Okay, yeah, so this is what I was getting at. Yeah. You know, I was leading you to this. Yeah. Because this is something that I'm passionate about. Pretty much right. everything you post, I try to repost, right? You and did vice a versa. series. <laughs> yeah, and that's a beautiful part, but. I don't think that many of the listeners or viewers have an understanding of how far environmental toxin go, environmental medicines go, right? I'll see cancer patients, and no one will ever entertain what their home exposures are, what their work exposures are, and everything right. else in between. Right. So um, what, what, what can you speak to about environmental toxins as, as far as it being a concern for us? What, what can we learn about it, and how do we move past it or better our lives? Yeah, great questions. I think um, 
we've found ourselves in, they use this term a lot, toxic soup. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. And so teaching um, our patients, one, that it's in their home everywhere, and then two, trying to figure out how they can free themselves of it. So yeah. I'm going through that process myself. Starting slowly with, I did this whole post on aluminum and getting rid of it in your deodorant and in your cooking. Starting out slowly and then working into your home products Mm -hmm. and how they end as endocrine disruptors and they sit on the receptors that our body needs to regulate properly. Our body has this amazing capacity to heal itself. And the more and more I look into the root causes, you know, testing urine toxicity for chemicals, uh, glyphosate, heavy metals, I see it a lot. It's prevalent with everyone. Yeah, it certainly is prevalent, and uh, there, that's a non-negotiable test for me. You are doing the toxin test, and when they do, yeah. it's pretty incredible. You see folks who are, are pretty healthy on the surface. Right. Their environmental exposures are not too high, and if they might have one or two that are higher. Yeah. But then you see really sick chronic disease patients, and maybe, you know, it's correlated, or it's, you know, go, they might go hand in hand, but through the roof, especially pesticides, organophosphates. Yes. And... For folks who are like, all right, well, where do we get exposed to pesticides, organophosphates? Is it important to eat organic? What would your answer be to that? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. You know, there was a study that came out earlier this year. They tested all the California organic wines and beers. All of them came back positive for glyphosate. You just broke some people's hearts over here. I know. That was a rough one for me, too. Yeah, I yeah. actually I don't I don't touch any California wines if and when I do I drink um, any wine I I'll, it just can't be from California period even if it's organic right I agree and is that because there's contamination from other farms or so what I've learned from my medical director Dr. Shenhang Lu she's really passionate about this she goes all over the country speaking about it and we think that in the irrigation ducts there's glyphosate just kind of being dropped into it so mm-hmm. that it doesn't form weeds in the area and they don't have to pay someone to kind of clean that stuff up. Mm-hmm. So regardless of all the farmers practicing the most organic techniques they can, if that water source is contaminated, it's it's sad. But yeah. it's getting in it's leaching into everything. Yeah. One thing that really blew me away was the understanding that pesticides have an uh, antibiotic effect on our gut microbiome. They have a patent for that. They have a patent for it, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. Like, (laughs) it it affects a very specific pathway. And that blew me away because I remember most people as in my generation when I was, we were young, no one had gut issues the way we do. And then all of a sudden when I was in college, everyone had gut issues. Most people I see have some sort of uh, inkling towards something with digestively or frank digestive issues. Right. Um, would you say that you see a lot of that connected to also? Absolutely. There's a graph I draw for all my patients. Um, in the U.S., I think we acknowledge about 88,000 man-made chemicals, mm-hmm. and 80,000 of them haven't been tested for safety. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that curve, it's quite steep. And I think the beginning of it was post-World War II, Around 1944, when DDT was first used after it was brought back from the war, we had so much of it left over. Mm-hmm. Now there's studies of how detrimental that is, but that was the first starting. And CDC did a study uh, from 1950 to about 2000 to see the rise in chronic medical conditions. And if you kind of superimpose the two graphs, the steepness of the graph is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So it gives the impression that maybe these environmental toxins is what's causing the steep rise in chronic yeah. medical conditions. Yeah, certainly so. And we have our detox pathways to get rid of all of that. Yes. 
but it's it's everywhere more and more. And I speak a lot about the cosmetics industry because they're self-regulated. Yeah. So I think, and I put a, a little bit of a show on this, it, I think people believe that these governing bodies will fully restrict and regulate what's coming in, but that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of loopholes that the industry has found, yeah. whether it be agricultural or whether it be cosmetic, where they're self-regulating themselves and then all this crap is coming up. You said 80,000 yeah. chemicals. That's crazy, right? Yeah. And the EPA, the process from when there's a new chemical for the EPA to assess it is so filled, with, so much filled with holes. And I spoke about that on a show. So yeah. for us to have an understanding, there's 80,000 chemicals floating around our environment yeah. that have not been assessed for safety. Correct. So one can be a direct cause of breast cancer or brain cancer. And we don't know that yet, you know? Yeah. That's where nutrition genomics comes in too. Some of it can help with that, with the detox pathways, with methylation. So a lot of my patients are just kind of curious about it and that's how we start. Sure. And we kind of interweave that as another resource into finding out how we can clear some of these toxins in the body. Can you go into that then? We, what is that? And yeah. how can folks listening or viewing, how can they go into it and learn more about it and what does it do? So it's an evolving field and it looks at your genes and I teach my patients that your genes are not your destiny. It's a blueprint and we can use nutrition to turn on or off the expression of the genes. So we just know maybe that this may be a risk that you may have. doesn't mean that one, it's going to present in your body. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of things we look at. Methylation, which is just taking carbon groups from one product to another. Um, it goes around 280 different pathways in the body all same time. Wow. So it's an evolving field too. You know, we used to think you had one SNP and you would treat that probably 10, 20 years ago. You we can't. don't do that anymore. Yeah. They're all intercorrelated. Yes. Yes. And so the other thing I've learned too is if, you know, you don't decrease some of the toxins and the inflammation, I don't even go towards treating methylation until we've done some of that stuff. I just get better results. If I try to start messing around with the methylation pathway from the get go, yeah. they might feel good for a little bit, and then they're going to start to decline super fast. Yeah, I think so. we have to have an understanding, like you said, it's a whole system that intertwines and communicates with itself. Yes. So to have precision genetic medicine is only going to really just target one change, right? Yeah. The problem is, as you said, is that there's neighboring genes, right? They all talk they all to each other. Each other. They all, right? So, and that's the craziest part about epigenetics, right? Yeah. Because we can influence the environment that our genes acquiesce to, right? Yeah. So one genetic change does not mean we're doomed, doesn't yeah. mean we're gonna get cancer. Yeah. And I love that you're doing that. So these, this genetic testing, are you doing some uh, urine tests, blood tests, saliva tests or something, and then showing folks what, what's happening? Yeah, so they're, um, first they just get the DNA tests and some patients just wanna see oh, what nutrition works for me, what diets work for me, what exercise, and we'll just start from a general health basis. Mm -hmm. Then there's other patients who are truly sick. And so we look at how the genes play a role right. and see how we can turn our off, on or off some of these genes, right. um, but we look at them as groups together. Okay, and, so and are people going in there now having a better idea about what diet may serve them based versus what they were eating? Yeah, and I've learned intuitively they know what's good for them, but they listen to all the hype about what diet's good for them, what's right. not. So when I review with them and tell them, you know, you actually don't have any problems metabolizing carbohydrates and you mm -hmm. probably actually need a little bit of it 
because your body is so efficient metabolizing it. Yeah. And they're like, you know, it's true. I don't do really well on the ketogenic diet. Yeah. And so we have these interesting conversations. Like yeah. I've known that intuitively, but I just thought it was so bad for me. Yeah. So we break down the macronutrients and we look at, you know, can your body actually process it? Do you need more probiotics? Do you need more prebiotic fiber? It's kind of fun. That's powerful. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've done that test myself. And yeah. It's so true. I knew that my issue, metabolizing fat versus carbohydrates, I can burn through carbohydrates, yes. but fats, I'll, I'll be bloated, I'll be burping, I'll, yep. it's just, it just doesn't serve me well. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Whereas, you know, you have some people that I know, some of my friends who can just eat super high fat, let's say they're doing a ketogenic diet, and then no carbs, but me, I'll just be on the floor. Right. And that's why everyone's biochemically different, right? This is the importance of bioindividuality. Yes. Um, precision medicine. Precision medicine, <laughs> and you're doing it precise. So. I, I wanted to go back. Can wh- wh- I want to talk about BPA? Okay. Because this is this is one of the worst ones, right? Yeah. And I think it was over two thousand people. I think CDC did a study to over two thousand people. It was like a ninety-three percent or so around their urine. It was found yeah. everywhere. Yeah. What What are the implications? How is it affecting us? Is it Is it predisposing people to cancer? What What would you say about BPA? This is my personal opinion. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I think it's predisposing them to cancer, um, to hormone disruptions, like you said, males and females. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at the implications of that, it affects everything. You know, they don't, no one walks in and says, I have hormone issues. But if you look at the symptoms, that's what it almost correlates back to. So patients will come in with hair loss, um, difficulty with weight loss, uh, fatigue tiredness it just it's so interesting and we do this test and most of them are positive and they're like shocked they can't yeah. even believe it and bpa is found in plastic right and like plastic water bottles mm-hmm. receipts can lining yeah um i miss it's it's everywhere basically so we then we have to go in teaching teaching and all that yeah because yeah. you and i have worked very similar the environmental medicine part is interesting because those visits will be like you have a magnifying glass or an yeah. inspector gadget and trying to find out where all of these exposures are happening. Yes, we and get then, to the degree. Yeah, because yeah. you can't detox without getting rid of the exposures, right? Right. Um, I had a patient who, I'm going to veer off course for a little bit and talk about aluminum. We couldn't figure out where it was coming from. She wasn't using deodorant that had it, and she's like, I just bought clean cookware. And so I had to eventually, I'm like, send me everything that, you know, send me your deodorant, send me your cookware. And we dissected everything. We found that her cookware actually... The marketing was faulty, mm. and we found that the, her cookware had aluminum in it, and it was leaching into her food, right. and that's where her source of it is. Yeah, and that, and the the show before this, I spoke about heavy metals on the whole first segment, so yeah. I'd say, I talked about what it is, um, where with the, what happens in our body when we ingest them, where they found, but aluminum is a nasty one. It's a nasty one. Yeah, and, and for some reason, all of these heavy metals have um, an effect on the brain and neurological system, so... Specifically Alzheimer's. Specifically Alzheimer's, right? So yeah. we see people who remove these and start getting better, mm-hmm. start betting, having better cognitive function, which is pretty incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, there was a study that was done um, that showed patients who had Alzheimer's actually had heavy metals to aluminum, but no genetic predisposition. So here we go back to epigenetics. Even though you may not even have the gene for it, it sometimes certain things will... Yeah. Create yeah. problems in the your, body. Your environment, your internal and external environment, right? And yeah. your genes, that's that's literally your playbook that is completely opening and closing, on and off, left and right. And um, 
that's an oversimplification, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Exactly. How about yeah. the importance of water exposures? I mean, this is, you, we're getting pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, birth control, antidepressants, heavy metals. Yes. What, is that the, one of the first things you look for? Like what's a water source? Yeah, because you have fluoride, you have chloride, you have bromide. And a lot of my patients, I look at the thyroid first. Yeah. And if those things are sitting on your receptors, it's going to block iodine from mm-hmm. sitting there. Yeah. And I tell them, okay, great, you're drinking filtered water, but you're also bathing in it, you're brushing your teeth in it, you're washing your hands in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pervasive. It's everywhere. Yeah. People who do have thyroid issues, that's the first thing. I want to see what halogens are affecting there. Yes or displacing iodine. Um, well then, okay, so I know that, I, I know how people react. They're gonna be like, oh my God, how do I live? How do I go home? Yeah. How do I take a shower? How do I brush my teeth? I'm going crazy now, I'm just gonna live in a cave. Right. How do well, we, we alleviate do that them? Yeah, yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> how do we alleviate? What, what do you tell your patients? How do we help them? You control the things that you can control. The things you can't, you can't. But we talk about maybe uh, changing the water filter in the shower. Mm-hmm. The water filters and maybe the kitchen, you know, in the sink, wherever they can. They're not that expensive, you know. And then some people go all out and they get reverse osmosis systems into their water. Um, You do what you can. You look to see what's the most affordable, what makes sense for you, and you slowly start to make these changes. Yeah. So if someone has a Brita filter, for example, can they do better? They can do much better. Much better. Much better. It's not too good. No. Okay. And if someone's drinking out of plastic bottles... They can do much, much better, right? Much, much better. Please get rid of your plastic bottles. Yeah, that's a first intervention, especially uh, someone comes in with hormone disruption or breast cancer. Yes. Please, the first thing, before they leave, I say stop all plastic, and here's how we're going to do it. Um, Yeah, pretty cool stuff. And those are little things you can do, right? And they don't even, they'll want to come back and say, oh, my God, I didn't even realize how much of it I use on a daily basis. It's just becoming aware of it and then slowly making those changes. So you have some children, you said, that come into the office. Yeah. How are they presenting now? What, what's, what's going on? So a lot of them have um, maybe some ADHD, some developmental delays, gut issues. And, you know, the CDC put out a study. Um, they check newborn core blood, and they're born with 287 chemicals mm-hmm. from that yeah. onset. Yeah, so, from the onset, yeah. right to this world. <laughs> right into the world. And then, you know, did mom have antibiotics while she was pregnant? Um you know, there's a time and place for them. You need it. You can't help it. But you start to look at those things, and that's where I start usually is with the gut and what we can do. Because without the gut being stable and intact, how are you going to make the correct neurotransmitters you need for development? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we start really simple and really small with that. But all the same things, environment. What are the clothing that they're wearing? You know, there's flame retardants yeah. that have halogens in them that I, block iodine. I remember you were talking about that. You messaged yeah. me about that. Can So you're saying children's clothing have flame retardants yes. that can disrupt their endocrine system, yeah. right? Their hormones? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's that. It's I remember scary. you told me that. I was like, I didn't even, because I don't work with kids. I'm like, yeah. that's something that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Really interesting. So more important for, for parents then to look for higher quality, better quality for their children then? Yes, absolutely. And I think we live in an era now where a lot of um, consumers are asking for this. And so a lot of these companies are delivering. Um, and it doesn't have to be as expensive, I think, as it probably was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you can find it on Amazon now. You yeah. just have to know that it's out there and to look for it. So part of my job is to educate people as much as I can. I yeah. mean, when I first heard about it, I, I was like, that sounds so woo-woo. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. is that possible? And I started to notice it in my yeah. patients. And when you start to clean out those things, it makes a difference. There are toys. Toys have plastics in them. Yeah. You know, just simple things like that. And 
you don't think about it, but even furniture um, is laced with flame retardants. Yeah, and, and formaldehyde. Yeah. Yeah. So, formaldehyde. So then, so then one, one, one instance, I had a patient, this was years ago when I actually used to see some kids. There was, um, they moved into a new house. They had new, all of a sudden, we, we, we furnished everything, new couches, new rug, um, new pictures, new everything, right? Uh. New bedding, beds. And the child started coming down with allergies, right? Yeah. Really severe, right? Every, every allergic symptom you can have, that kid had. And then their allergist just gave them low-dose antihistamines or whatever it may right. be. Treating I don't the remember. symptoms. Yeah, treating the symptoms. And they're like, oh, well, the child's fine. We're, he, he's good. And then he stopped doing it, and it came back because the body has a rebound effect, right? You start yeah. suppressing, 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 putting under the rug. comes back with a vengeance. It comes back with a vengeance. So they stopped it because he didn't want him to be on it for a long time. Yeah. And the, the kid was way worse. Than, so I said, why don't we start like this? what things can you afford to remove like that rug yeah. right they removed the rug he started getting better they got an air purifier two actually one in his room and then one in the living room and the child started getting better yeah and you can look this up there is data out there that shows that the aromatic chemicals coming out of these this upholstered furniture or rugs or whatever it may be can cause a direct effect on the respiratory system the off-gassing, especially yeah. with brand new furniture. Mm -hmm. So it's always that's all that was going on with the kid. Yeah. But they were looking at pollen, pine, oak, everything, cat right. You know, when it was just literally the poor kid was being, you know, and maybe he's genetically predisposed to be worse than his sister. Right. But Absolutely. still, it's we have to pay close attention to that. Yeah, his immune system was getting bombarded. Exactly. And he was just getting so. Uh, uh, and, and then one of the other things I'm passionate about is bedding, right? We yeah. stay, we sleep there for eight hours, yeah. right? And can can you just tell the listeners and viewers of our conventional beds safe? Do they off gas and d does that ha get yeah. rid of in a while? Or <laughs> I had a patient actually who um, we were working on for a while and was getting better, and she was having hip pain. She's like, every time I go to bed, it happens. And I asked her, I'm like, do you have a memory foam mattress? And she said, yes, I do. Those are the worst. Yeah. They're the worst. They off-gas the most. They do. Um, and I've actually written prescriptions for patients that says that they have a toxic body burden and they need to return their memory foam. Mm -hmm. And some of them have been able to get their money back from their mattresses, actually. Really? If yeah. you have a memory foam, please look into the which ways to get rid of it. Yeah. I know that is, that's the most toxic one. It's the most toxic. One time, I took, this was like in college, I took one out of the box and within 10 minutes I had a headache because it was so strong, the smell. Yeah. And what I heard is that there was there was a, a case where someone had their memory foam brand new, but then went on vacation in the summer, left all of the doors closed oh, and gosh. the windows closed and the thing exploded. What? Like that's how much it was off-gassing. The thing exploded in the room. Wow. So imagine how many chemicals are just off-gassing. And we're just absorbing it all. And we're absorbing it. So yeah. sleeping for eight hours, eight hours at a time, can we do better? 100%. Yeah. The sheets, your pillows, the mattresses. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, and you know what? There are now non-toxic beds out there for $500, $600. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get that. There's yeah. there's one right where you work. Uh, the Brentwood Homes is the one. They have a really cheap um, bamboo gel one. Yeah. Much better than Tempur-Pedic and way more affordable. I agree. They don't need to be $10,000. <laughs> no, not anymore. There are some really nice ones, really bougie ones. But, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm happy that we're on the same page with that because I, I, I like to know when people are addressing environmental medicine. Yeah. So for you, what what needs to be done in healthcare 
to have better patient outcomes, push prevention more? What needs to be done? What needs to shift in this paradigm? I think the things that you and I are doing every day, the education piece um, of what kind of chemicals and toxins we are constantly exposed to, what we can do to decrease that toxic body burden. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think ultimately when we do that, we see our patients get healthier, you know, and um, letting this bleed into conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like nutrition was never a big part of it. uh, I think allopathic traditional doctors are starting to learn more about how important nutrition is. Um, So let's move beyond and expand beyond nutrition and look at environment and toxins and how that bleeds in. Yeah, it really irks me when there's a really dogmatic view that medicine is only conventional. I am much more of the integrative belief system where yeah. we can all absolutely work together yeah. and, and come in like the Avenger superheroes when we're needed yeah. um, in whatever capacity. But there's certainly not one way to do medicine. No. And if there was and there is one way to do medicine, it's not the way that we're doing it conventionally. Correct. Right? Acute care? Yes. My arm's falling off? Yes. Yes. Get hit by a car? Yes. <laughs> But everything else, for the most part, can be alleviated and better alleviated long-term with a lot of these things. So um, that's my favorite part of integrative medicine and folks who are open to it. Yeah. So I love love what you're doing. And um, before you go, can you give listeners and viewers three tips on what they can do to, well, we were talking about environmental toxins, so to reduce their toxic burden. What can we do? Three things. I think the easiest things is to eat organic when you can. Okay. Get a really good filtered water that not only filters um, chlorine and heavy metals, um, but plastics and other things that can kind of other endocrine disruptors. Like fluoride. Fluoride is a okay. big one. I know people out there cringing their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I did a whole show on fluoride. There's dentists listening. They're they're open to it. Some are not, but. Yeah, I mean, I you know, there's every third person has some thyroid issue, and we yeah. have to look at the halogens as being the top. Um, pervasive chemicals that we can probably get rid of the easiest. Right. So organic foods, filtered water, um, and cleaning out your household um, cleaners, detergents, face products, body wash, whatever you want to call it, as non-toxic as you can possibly get them. Yeah. And now we have uh, resources like Environmental Working Group where they have EWG verified. Yes. Like makeup and face wash and soaps and shampoos. And they have an app for it. You can easily scan it. It's it, when I started this. I promise you, there was nothing out there, no. hardly anything. Yeah. Now we have so much in front of so us. So many resources. So, listeners, viewers, look. Now you're empowered. Mm-hmm. Now you know what to do to how to start reducing your environmental toxin mm-hmm. load. I talk a lot about it on all these shows anyway. So listen uh, as best as you can. And yeah. So where can they find you? First of all, Ananda Integrative Medicine in Brentwood. Okay. Can you say it one more time? Ananda Integrative Medicine. Okay. How do you spell that? A-N-A-N-D-A. Okay, just just in case. Uh, and Brentwood and um, your Instagram. What was, what was your Instagram? Integrative PA. Integrative PA. Integrative hyphen PA. Yeah, everybody, go. you have to go on her page because she goes in on these environmental toxins. You, you even had a series where you talked about one in particular. You highlighted one like heavy metal. You highlighted one pollutant, yeah. and that was so cool because I was like following through with that, too. It was amazing. Yeah, I got a lot of good feedback on that, so I think I may have to redo that. Redo it. Again. We yeah. want to know. Um, so um, thank you so much for coming, uh, dropping your knowledge, um, really vibing with this environmental toxin stuff. I love this stuff, so you know, this is one of my favorite one yeah um and thank you thank you for having me let's get the word out yes get the word out let's get the word out
What a really good interview. I was so happy to have her on and go over environmental toxins. You know that's one of my passions. I just did the knowledge bomb segment on it. So uh, I hope you're all empowered. I hope she helped you out. I hope this show helped you out. I hope you're rating. I hope you're reviewing. I hope you're subscribing. I hope you're spreading this like a bonfire, like a wildfire. I got a lot of love for everyone. Thank you for supporting. And wait, just wait till the next show because it is going to be on fire too. Have a good one.